0: Well, we're in this series about becoming the bride of Christ, not the, and and not just changing the way we do things, but really transforming into the church that you see in the Bible. That that in the Bible you see a, a church that looks a lot different than church today. And so, what can we do to become more of that church? Because even even as the church, sometimes it's easy sort of to conform to the pattern of the world and do what the world does. Um, And so allowing God to transform his church by the renewing of our minds, which is straight out of Romans 12 too. So today we're gonna be taking communion and that's what I wanna talk about today because it was such a big part of what the early church was about, who they were. And so we're gonna start uh, as we have with this whole series with Acts 2.42 where it says that all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, meals were a huge part of their fellowship. They would eat together. They would get together to eat, and they would have these fellowship meals because as they did life together, as they spent their time together, as they went after Jesus together, they ate together like all the time, and part of their meals was sharing in communion with one another. And so they would just go over to each other's house. They would have a meal together, and part of that would be communion. And it kind of seems weird today because we've sort of made communion into this high church thing. But imagine if you just had your Christian friends over for dinner for lunch, and then part of what you did, just to kind of remind you that the thing that binds you together, the, the thing that you all needed to focus on in your life was Christ. And that Christ even, you know, if you were just getting together for, for a meal and, and to play games, that even in that, that Christ was with you, that Christ was part of what you were doing. And so you just sat down for a meal together, had your meal, and then communion was part of it. It'd be kind of cool. And fellowship in the New Testament was such a huge thing. I don't think we begin to grasp how huge fellowship was, how huge it was to spend time together with other believers, to go through life with other believers, to, to work out all of this and live all of this with somebody else. And in the New Testament church, it was a huge thing. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to each other in the fellowship the same way they devoted themselves to prayer and reading scripture. It doesn't say that they devoted themselves to prayer and scripture a lot, and then secondary was spending time together. They devoted themselves to to the fellowship the same way they devoted themselves to prayer. Don't miss that. I mean, that's crazy to think about. But I would challenge you, reread through the New Testament sometime and reread through it, thinking through the lens of fellowship was hugely important to these people. You'll read the New Testament in a completely different way because you'll see how often they're talking about, it's not just for you to do, this is for us to do, that it's people doing it together. And it's just everywhere, you can't escape it. In fact, we're gonna dig into the fellowship part of that in the next few weeks. we won't next week. Next week, I'll be gone. I'm going to my brother-in-law's wedding. We're really excited about that. Um, but And Pastor John will be preaching. He's going to do a fantastic job. But then ne- the week after that, we're going to start digging into what this fellowship was all about. It is crazy. But really, if you think in terms of what Jesus said, it makes sense that they devoted themselves to fellowship the way they devoted themselves to prayer and scripture. Because Jesus says in Matthew 22, verses 36 to 39, somebody asked, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But then Jesus says this, catch this. And the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so when the church began, you literally saw this playing out, that they were loving God with all their heart, soul, and mind, but that they were loving one another in this crazy, radical, love your neighbor as yourself kind of way. Acts 2, 42 through 46. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to sharing the meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders." And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They They were meeting in the temple every day so they could pray together, so they could worship together, so they could study the scripture together, but they were also meeting in each other's homes every day. And then, and if somebody had need, they'd say, "All right, well, I'm gonna, I'll sell some of my stuff and I'll give it to you." You see that again in Acts four thirty two to thirty five. It says, "All the believers." Did you notice? They, it says that both times. All the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. They were devoted to loving God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, but they were devoted to loving each other as they loved themselves, and you see it played out so plainly in this passage about what the early church was like. It says that they were devoted to the fellowship and they were devoted to sharing in the meals together, including the Lord's Supper. And there's something that it says in verse 46 of Acts 2 that I, I want to remember because we'll come back to it. They said they worshiped in the temple each day. They met each other's homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And that's gonna come back to play here in just a second. But that brings me to the passage that we're going to be reading today regarding communion. But as I read it, I want you to think about it. I want you to think through this passage in the context of that Acts 2.42 church. I want, I want you to, when I'm, when I'm reading it, think through it through the lens of the culture of the church was what you see in Acts 2.42 and those verses in Acts 4 and those verses. And so uh, I'm gonna read it and I want you to think about that. And it's just a good Bible study rule that, that the Bible can't mean what it never meant. That any passage you study, you have to read it and study it, one within the larger context of what's going on in the rest of the book of the Bible that you're reading and understanding it kind of in the culture that they were living in. So Paul starts and he talks about communion, and he actually starts talking about it in in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, but we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 a good bit, but he starts talking about it in chapter 10 in verses 16 and 17. He says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. And their culture, again, was this, you know, they all got together, they all shared their meals, including communion, and they shared with each other as they had in need. And they loved it, were supposed to be loving one another as they loved themselves. But what you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is a church that looks different than it does in Acts, where they're sharing everything and giving to people as they have need. So we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, reading verses 17 to 34, if you wanna follow along. If you have your Bibles or if you have an app, in fact, if you have it on some kind of an app uh, today, it might actually be better to read it on the app because we're gonna be jumping from translations um, but it'll all be on the screen behind me, so you can look up there. But this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 to 34. He says this, But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if you, if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there's divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. Paul is upset because there's divisions, and divisions make fellowship kind of hard. He says, "But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you have that you who have God's approval will be recognized." He kind of does this little rabbit trail, which Paul does all the time. It makes me feel good about my preaching. Um, that. That he's, he says, you know, sometimes, yes, there's going to be divisions among you because you got to figure out who's right and who's wrong and, and what God wants and what God doesn't want. So he said, yeah, there's going to be some divisions, but, but he's, he's upset because there's actual real division happening in the church. He says there's these divisions. And he says, when you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus broke some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks of this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by God, we're being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment on yourselves when you meet together. And so... Actually, I, I'm going to read that in a couple other versions uh, again. As we're seeking after becoming the church and becoming that church that devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, to Scripture and to prayer, we want to really dig into that more. And part of that is reading more of God's word and hearing less from me, because one is God speaking and one is me, and God is better. So, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna be. Checking that out. So we're going to read this again. It's another great Bible study hint. If you're going to if you're going to study a book of the Bible, if you're going to study anything, sometimes it's good to read multiple versions of the same thing. It just comes at it from different angles sometimes, um, and different translations of the Bible are translated different ways. So you have some translations like the King James version, New King James version, English Standard version that they translate it word for word so they just go through the the greek or the hebrew or whatever they take the word they translate it and they and they put it in order and that's how they translate it, it it's really good translation in some ways but in other ways you kind of miss the big picture of what's actually going on and you miss and and it's you don't understand it because it's something written in greek and and so it doesn't get the cultural context of what's going on very well either. So they're all good. They just come at it from different standpoints. And so sometimes it's nice to read it in different translations because sometimes things will pop out at you. So we're going to read that again. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 17-34. to 34, And this is from the message, which is more a paraphrase, where they go paragraph by paragraph to get the main ideas. So it, you get the main ideas, but it's not exactly word for word. So this is 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 34. It'll sound similar, but you'll notice differences too. He says this, regarding the next item, I am not at all pleased. I'm getting the picture that when you meet together, it brings out your worst side instead of your best, which is not good for a church. First, I get this report on your divisiveness, competing and criticizing each other. I'm reluctant to believe it, but there it is. The best that can be said for it is the testing process that will bring the truth into the open and confirm it. And then I find that you bring divisions into worship. You you come together and and instead of eating the Lord's supper, you bring in a lot of food from outside and make pigs of yourself. You're left out and some go hungry. Some are are left out and, and go hungry. Others have to be carried out too drunk to walk. I can't believe it. Don't you have your own homes to eat and drink in? Why would you stoop to desecrating God's church? And why would you actually shame God's poor? I would never have believed you would stoop to this. And I'm not gonna stand by and say nothing. Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it's so centrally important. I receive my instructions from the master himself and pass them on to you. The master, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, Took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This is, my, this is my blood. This cup is my blood. My new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be part of? Examine your motives, test your heart, come to this meal in holy awe. If you give no thought or worse, don't care about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink, you're running the risk of serious consequences. That's why so many of you even now are listless and sick and others have gone to an early grave. If we get this straight now, we won't have to be straightened out later on. Better to be confronted by the master now than to face fiery confrontation later. So my friends, when you come together to the Lord's table, Be reverent and courteous with one another. If you're so hungry that you can't wait to be served, go home and get a sandwich. But by no means risk turning this meal into eating and drinking binge or a family squabble. It's a spiritual meal, a love feast. And then this, I'm going to read it one more time. Uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 17 to 34 from the English Standard Version. And again, this one's a little bit more word for word. That one was a little bit more of a paraphrase. And then the one we did first was, was somewhere in between, um, which is like the NIV um, or the New Living Translation. Those are the ones that I use because it's a, it's a nice mix of both. Um, but this is the ESV. He says this, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For there, who, whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. Okay, we're not going to do any more. We're not going to read it anymore. No more versions. Um, but I would, I would encourage you go home and read a few more. Uh, I read like eight or nine this week. It was a great time. Uh, So the original church, they met together for meals. They shared everything they had. They cared for one another as they cared for themselves. Their meals were all about the fellowship of believers. But look what's happening in this passage. They're bringing in their own food and they're not sharing it, which is like the exact opposite of what you see in Acts 2. The, the people with food and drink are stuffing themselves on their own food. They're getting drunk on their own wine. They're thinking about themselves and they're not caring for the other people around them. And what's happening to the poorer Christians is that they're going in without food, without drink, and basically they're being left out of communion and so you have these starving people that don't have food anyway, and they're coming into church, and they have to sit there and watch other people eat. And Paul's like, that's crazy. It's like, you remember, remember when you were in school, and you sat down in class, and you forgot your book? And the teacher says, okay, everybody open up your books and everybody opens up your book except, uh, except for you. And you just kind of look around and try to find something that you can pretend to open up. You remember how you felt when that happened? You, you just felt like you were shrinking and shrinking and shrinking because everybody around you has this book that you don't have and you're praying that the teacher is not going to call on you to read. I don't know if that happened to any of you or happens to any of you if you're in school, but it happened to me a lot. That's where Micah gets it from. <laughs> um, but but that's what's happening to these people. But it's it's church. They're coming in for communion and, and you're sitting there and everybody around you is having communion and you're just sitting there and it's, and and Paul's like you're disgracing each other you're shaming these people and it was supposed to be fellowship so you can see why Paul is up so upset it's the exact opposite of what the church was supposed to look like nobody's sharing they're being selfish they're prideful other people in the body are feeling ashamed, being in need. It's nothing like the church is supposed to be. And he's like, do you really despise your brothers and sisters that much? And then he talks about communion. He, he reminds us that communion is about focusing on Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. He walks through what Jesus said in, as he gave communion to the disciples. But then he goes on to say this in verse 27. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, I always understood taking it unworthily to mean that you did it with, you know, sin in your heart that you hadn't repented of yet or Or some kind of unforgiveness. And those things are super important. But that's not what this passage is about. What is it in the context of this passage, uh, on this larger passage, what is it that they were doing wrong? What was it they were doing that was unworthy? They were not taking communion together in one spirit as one body with and and putting each other ahead of the other they were taking communion without being devoted to the fellowship they weren't taking it together as one they were taking communion divided What's the first thing he says in the passage? uh, Here's these divisions among you. uh, Communion was about this, this relationship between you and me, this relationship between each other as much as it was about your relationship with God. Taking communion in an unworthy way that Paul is talking about is taking communion while being selfish and thinking about yourself while not loving your neighbor as yourself. It's the opposite of devotion to fellowship. And over the years, we've taken the taking communion unworthily out of context a little bit. And, And really, we've made it into a bunch of different things, and to, to mean a bunch of different things, and it could mean this or it could mean that. But at the heart of it, it's about the great commandment. Lifting up Jesus, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and loving your brothers and sisters around you. Talk, talks about the same thing in 1 John 3, 16 to 18. Again, go back and read through it and through the lens of, of fellowship. He says this, we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life up for us, this relationship with God. So also, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Love God, love people. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother and sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Same thing, if you're getting this wrong, if you're not loving one another, then you can't love God. How can you love God if you don't love other people? That's what he's saying. Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other, let's show the truth by our actions. So Paul says, verse 27, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the word, Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So verse 28 he says let a person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. But again, based on this passage, what is it that we're examining? Based on this passage, we're examining how well we love one another. How our dev- how, how well, well our devotion is to the fellowship Love God, equally important, love one another. If you're taking communion and you're thinking of you, Paul says in verse 20, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you're eating. That if you come into communion and you're not lifting one another up, if you're not pulling one another along, if you're not doing it with one body, one mind, one spirit, He says, what you're doing is not communion. That's not the Lord's Supper. And he says, there's consequences to that. And he says, some of you are sick and and, in bed and die. Some of you have died because you've done this without caring for one another. Paul says this. It's funny that it's, I've read this thousands of times but I've never picked up on this verse 29 he says for if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died he says for if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the what without honoring the body of Christ. Hmm. Who does the Bible tell us is the body of Christ? Church, each other, we're the body of Christ. He's spending this whole time talking about honoring one another and, and not leaving other people behind and lifting one another up and, and he says, If you're doing it without honoring the body of Christ, and we miss that part. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he puts it pretty clearly. He says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. What was it that Paul said at the beginning that he was so upset at the beginning of the passage? He was Upset because they were eating in a way that disgraced each other and that shames the people in the church, dishonoring the body of Christ, being divided. God takes that seriously. Remember, we, we read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And then what, what did we read in verse 17? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body he's already starting to point to it in chapter 10. And then he starts unpacking it in 1 Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11, it's not so much about the solemn sacrament of communion. It's about honoring one another. It's about the great commandment. It's about how much you are devoted to one another as you focus on Jesus. And don't get me wrong here. Communion is personal. Communion is about you and Jesus. Communion is between you and Jesus. You can have personal communion time and just spend time focusing on Jesus and his sacrifice for you, and it's, it's fantastic. I love taking time and doing communion just by myself. It's a great time. And you should always be examining yourself and asking, is there sin in my heart that I need to deal with? You know, God, search me and know me. Know if there's any offensive way in me. I mean, we should always be doing that. But that, we, we've come to sort of take that passage and superimpose that on it, but that is not what this passage is about. And I thought, you know, maybe Paul changed gears and, and I just didn't catch it. But look how he finishes up this whole argument that he's making about the Lord's Supper. In verse 33, he says, he finishes the whole thing by saying, so my brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so that you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. He ends this passage, talking about what he started the passage talking about. It's all part of this same argument that we have to do this together. We can't leave other people behind. He sandwiches the point of communion in this idea of together, in this idea of fellowship, because it was essential to the church being the church. Because if you don't have that, you can't be the church. I was out of the boat this week, and we were talking about eating in heaven. Somehow it always comes back around to food with those guys. But we were talking about eating in heaven and saying, you know, why do we eat in heaven? Because we don't need to eat in heaven. Our, our bodies are, are made whole. We don't have to eat for any other reason than to enjoy eating, that that eating in the Bible, and especially eating in heaven, is not about sustenance, it's about intimacy, that there's just something about sitting with somebody and eating a meal with them and, and spending time talking together, that I don't know what it is, but if you sit down and have a meal with somebody, it just, it makes the conversation a lot easier. And in fact, you know, there's the Bible verse where Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if you open the door, I'll come in, and I'll have fellowship with you. Well, the, the word fellowship is translated from this word in Greek called dipenom. And what dipenom is, is to have this long lingering meal with somebody. You know, when you have somebody over and you have a meal with them, but it's not like normal meals around our house during the weeknights, it's like uh, out the door. But when you have somebody over and you sit and you sit around the table and you eat And you have this long lingering conversation and you talk a little and you eat a little. And it's just a good time. That's what Jesus says that is going to happen if you let him into your heart. That he just wants to sit down with you and have this long lingering meal. That's what fellowship was was about. And, And so eating in heaven is about that kind of intimacy. So... As we get ready to take communion, that's what communion points to, is this intimacy that we have with one another, uh, of of connecting with one another on a a spiritual, spiritual level, as we connect together with God. But you should examine yourself. The Bible says that very clearly that before you go into communion, you should examine yourself. But not examine necessarily, is there sin in my life? But asking the question who haven't you been lifting up that's in your life? Maybe your husband or your wife? That you just haven't been lifting them up. I mean, maybe it's Jesus that you haven't been lifting up, but maybe it's people. Maybe you haven't been lifting your kids up. I mean, what did Jesus say? Let the little kids come. His disciples were trying to push them out, and he's saying, No, 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 no. Let them come. Who is it that you've been pushing aside? Some believer who's a coworker or a family member or some person that honestly, you just don't like them all that much, but they're a believer. Maybe it's somebody in this room that you just have kind of pushed aside. Because some people were eating without lifting up the poor, who is that to you today? Who have you ignored today because you've been too focused on yourself? I, I think probably some of them didn't. It wasn't like they were like, well, they're poor, I'm gonna eat my thing and, and make them feel bad. Probably not. It's probably just people bringing in their bounty and shoveling food down their throat and not even thinking about the guy sitting next to them. Who have you ignored because you've been too focused on yourself? How many people in this church do you care for? Not care about. You should care about everybody. But care for. That you're a caretaker of. And I mean, I'll be be first to admit, it's hard to take care of 200 people in two different services. But that's why things like connect groups are so important. It's because that's where you can care for each other. He says, let a person examine himself and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. So we're gonna move into a little time of prayer now. And we wanna just first start by thanking Jesus that he died for us and, and that we can have forgiveness of our sin and how good he is to us. But Then I want to take some time for us to examine ourselves and to judge ourselves, to say, have I left somebody behind? Have I pushed somebody away? Am I going to go into communion without thinking and caring for the people around me? Because we want to do this right. So I would invite you... Uh, to pray with me and like I said we're going to take a little bit of time to pray together because again as we as we move into being this church that we see in the book of Acts we don't want it to be this thing where we say oh prayer is super important and then prayer is something we do like as a transition that's 30 seconds. So I'm going to just kneel down here at the altar if if God's maybe speaking to your heart and you want to come kneel down with me you can otherwise you can Pray in your seats. You can spin around and kneel on the floor and lay your head on the seats. It's really comfortable. I don't think it was made for that specifically, but, uh, but it's really good. But just get alone with God somehow. Um, close your eyes, bow your heads. Help put your body in a place of, of understanding that you are bowing before an almighty God. And just begin to thank God first that He died for you. Thank God that He showed you what real love looks like. So just maybe begin to thank God for those things, that you're forgiven.